The following is a live presentation of the Commercial Appeal. Really, really pleased with our guys. Uh, after after having the opportunity to go and uh, and reevaluate the film, uh, to go on the road, you know, we we talked to our guys all week long, uh, leading up to the Tulane game that uh, that it was going to take all three phases. And I thought that uh, you know going against one of the top top ranked defenses in the country uh, before before our game, we knew there was going to be some challenges. We knew we had to play really well in, in special teams, and we had to we had to be assignment sound and uh, and really try to control the game defensively on our end and. Uh, you know, I think I think it's being evident with uh, with Austin and and Jake both being the conference players of the week um, in in those two areas that uh, that we were able to do that and it helps prepare us uh, for the for the challenge that we're going to face this week. You know, going to play a, a great Navy team, uh, one that's coming off uh, one of the biggest wins in their school's history, uh, beating a top ten opponent, and uh, you know a football team that's playing really well. This is the Tiger Football Podcast with Tom Shad, Jeff Calkins, and Phil Stukenborg. All right. What's up, y'all? Another week. Uh, and suddenly, the University of Memphis is one win away from bowl eligibility, which is kind of crazy. I was looking back last year, uh, Jeff, and it's it's just me and mm-hmm. Jeff here today. Phil's on basketball duty. Um, I was looking back at, like, basically last year I was kind of surprised by the routine nature of becoming bowl eligible here because i feel like two years ago and you can speak better to this than i can i mean memphis getting to a bowl was a big thing and now we're at a point where mid-october they just need to win one of their final six games and they're there and it was just kind of like almost a given entering the season like it's interesting just how the dynamic of that has changed so suddenly oh i remember um writing a column um back in the old days where the entire column was about becoming bowl eligible without saying the word bowl. And so uh, I'd use every B, bumblebee, like every word with a B that I could use because no one wanted to jinx it because they had never been in a bowl. And um, and so, yeah, now there's no question that it has changed. Now, partly it's changed because the bowl universe has expanded to such an extent that True. anyone with a pulse should be getting into a bowl. But it is absolutely to the credit of this football team that they have removed all the suspense. That I mean, I just I got a uh, tweet yesterday. Someone saying, "Do you still think this team will be seven and five? Which I think is when when the um, when we began this podcast and you asked for predictions. I think I said seven and five, and no, I, they've taken care of business. They've done what they you know. They, here they are, five and one, to lose the best coach and the best quarterback in the history of the program to be rolling along the way they are is of of uh to everybody involved to their credit there's no question about that and and i don't think people are looking at bowl eligibility i think people are looking at look if you can beat navy um you know as as you pointed out in in one of your stories earlier in the week you could be going to you know you win the you can be going to new year's, new year's bowl here you know there's there's I don't think it's likely, but that's what you're looking at. You're looking. Navy's ranked right now in the AP top twenty-five. Right. So if you beat Navy, are you then ranked? You're then six and one. You've beaten Navy. You've beaten. You know. You look pretty good against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is still ranked at three and three for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. So I think again we're at that moment when we're saying, with a significant win here, what does the universe? How does the universe start to open up for this program? And people are just taking the bull thing for granted, which is uh, an accomplishment. Now we'll talk about Tulane, we'll talk about Navy, we'll get to all that stuff, but I wanted to start out, do you think that, and we all picked at the beginning of the season, we all said 7-5. and five. At this point, I think if you look at the schedule on paper, 
it seems more likely that they'll go eight and four. I mean, they've got you know Navy's fifty fifty game, but then they've got Tulsa, which I think is a winnable game. They've got at SMU, which is a very winnable game, and then Cincinnati has been pretty rough Bad. all year, zero mm-hmm. three in the conference. Um, so they could ostensibly go eight and four. Do you think that? At this point, I mean, they could ostensibly go better than eight and four. Let's be they clear. Could I go, think I, I would right now, if I had to pick, I would pick eight and four. But a, I'm a pessimist of all, just generally how I approach life, and so, uh, so I'm a pessimist. And um, and and but but I listen. Depending on what hour you check, they can be picked to beat Navy, right. you know. And so, they'll be favored to beat Navy. They'll be favored to win next week, right? Uh, South Florida is that is that is that, is, is that next? well it goes it goes Navy Tulsa, Tulsa. SMU SMU okay. then South Florida. they'll be favored to beat SMU South Florida fifty fifty though South Florida has been w- looking really they've good they've been looking good but they might well be favored to win that game uh, might well be favored to win because that's at home right South Florida's yep. here yep. so South Florida's here and then Cincinnati's bad mm-hmm. and then Houston's here. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to dream about running the table from the here on out, I don't believe they will. But if you want to dream about running the table, what? Why not? Like none of those games are. Ah, oh, they got no shot, right? None of those games are they got no shot. We saw we saw Houston lose to Navy for heaven's sakes, you know. And so, um, so I believe the most likely scenario is eight and four. But I can certainly see. I can see him running the table. I can see him losing one more. I can see him losing. T- I think all those are within the realm of possibility, right? Why not? Now, obviously, a lot of this has to do with how they perform in the second half of the schedule. They're only halfway through. But at this point, can you safely say that they have outperformed your expectations? I mean, like, is, are you already at a point where being five and one, you assume that they are going to beat at least SMU and win one of the other five games? Like, can you already safely say? Well, they didn't stumble, which is first. Like, you don't know that what it's going to look like. We didn't. We'd never seen Riley Ferguson throw a pass, right? Mm-hmm. So it's easy to now say, oh, all they've done is what they were supposed to do. But doing what you're supposed to do is, is you know, it is, should not be taken for granted. Sure. And so, um, yeah, they've they've done what they were supposed to do, but but only if they're a good team. That's what they're supposed to do. And we didn't know they would be a good team. We, we thought they could probably be a good team. Um, so I think the fact that they didn't stumble, didn't take a step back, that they – made the improvement on defense that people hoped they had made would make right that like we envisioned that maybe the defense would be better this year but i think it is better than i would have imagined it would have been i honestly think the defense has been more of a force than i would have imagined i think their offense has been a little shakier than i might have imagined but that's only assuming that that riley ferguson was good and so and he has been pretty good and um so i uh yeah i think they've outperformed expectations i think they look like a uh, you know, I think they look like a, a football team that that is when they've taken care of business too. They've done it by and large, not necessarily this week, but by and large, emphatically. Like they haven't left a lot of yeah. and and Temple, we didn't know. Like that's that was might have been a, a coin flip. So everything, yeah, I think they have absolutely outperformed expectations. And um, and so if the expectations are at this point forward that they should maybe lose three more, well, they can go ahead and perform outperform expectations and lose one or two more. Why not? Now, you mentioned kind of taking care of business. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is the past two weeks, really, they have been able to come back and win from behind. And, and they've, been, they've been winning ugly, essentially. You right. know, they've made a ton of mistakes. The offense has not executed well at all. And yet they've still been able to come back and win. And I think it's one thing to kind of take care of business against 
I don't know, like Bowling Green where you don't make any any mistakes and there's no real adversity. I mean, I think it was interesting even in, in the Tulane game, like they had a lot of early opportunities to score and just make it a blowout right. and couldn't do it and didn't get discouraged in that. I mean, d- does it tell you something th- that they're winning ugly, even if they were supposed to win, you know? Yeah, it clearly does. I mean, yes. I, I, although I was more willing to embrace that after <laughs> after the Temple game, I was impressed that they won ugly. Sure. Look at that. You don't even play your best and you win, you win anyway. After the this game, after the Tulsa game, I'm still impressed by that fact, but I'm more perplexed about why it's at ugly. Um, and uh, and I guess my question for you is because you, you you certainly you follow the team more closely than I do, and and we had the benefit of being at this game uh, on Friday night. Where did the offensive performance that we saw against Bowling Green, and then uh, forget that it was just against Ole Miss? Where has that offense, that what looked lethal, it looked lethal. They were matching Ole Miss. Where, where did it go? I think, and I know, okay, so this is the question that I got on Twitter throughout the game. That I've been getting like, what's wrong with the offense, right? And I, it's kind of like a boring answer, but I think it's a lot of little things that add up, right? Like there are plays like, for example, there, there was a play against Tulane where Riley Ferguson had uh, – Daniel Hurd just kind of running open down like the seam and he just overthrew him right and it was just like a simple overthrow and everything was going well and that would have been like a 30-yard gain and the throw is just a little bit too high right and so that's just like one little mistake other times you have like a wrong protection or you have an incorrect route or they're just it's really small execution things that are derailing the team what's weird is is that is that presumably Bowling Green you still have to hit wide open receivers against Bowling Green, and yet you are making every play against Bowling Green. Right. When you're playing Ole Miss, you're making every play. You don't normally to see, expect to see, when it comes to just simple execution, a team take a step back when it comes to execution. You still normally see. I mean, and what Mike Norvell said yesterday at the football launch, he said we keep progressing, we keep progressing, and and he actually said that this was one of Riley Ferguson's better games, which I thought was an interesting thing he, to say, he yeah. said. Yeah. But are they progressing? It seems to me that at least from that, maybe that maybe that was a, um, maybe that was unfair. It was you know it's certainly to put up that many, but many again, Bowling Green was unfair. But maybe they weren't that offense that I that we thought they that they might be because they don't look to me like a team that is progressing on offense. They look to me like a team that is finding a way that has some exceptional talents. This time, Henderson, Daryl Henderson's exceptional talents sort of were able to get enough points for them that they could overcome an offense that does not seem to be progressing. I, I don't think they're progressing. Okay. I agree, I agree <laughs> with that 100%. We do not believe they're progressing. I don't yes. think they're progressing. Um, I, think, I think the offense is just generally inconsistent is the best way that I can put it. I think it's similar. I mean, it's not... I don't want to say it's as inconsistent as the defense was last year, but I think we saw a little bit of that with the defense last year. Like you saw the Ole Miss game where everything was clicking and they looked really good. And then there were games where, you know, the Navy game or whatever on Tulsa where they were giving up passing plays left and right where they just didn't look good and it was just like an inconsistency. Is the root of it all the offensive line? I think that plays a big role. Yeah, and that's what, you know, it's it's really tricky to kind of figure out because they are playing with a lot of the same players, right? So it's it's just interesting... I don't know. I feel like, and I wrote this in my morning after, like I think that a lot of what they're going to have to do is going to be compensating for the offensive line, right? Like at a certain point, I think they're just going to have to acknowledge that the offensive line is not going to be the best pass-protecting unit, right? And so you're going to have to make some play calls where you're moving Riley Ferguson out of the pocket. You're having some short 
throws. And, and I think they did, you know, some of that, like, for example, they used a lot of screens against Tulane. And I think part of that was that they thought that Tulane was going to pass rush, but part of it was they thought they were going to be effective. So instead of doing, you know, a ton of drop back passes, just do a little screen. And we saw, you know, Daryl Henderson score right. on the on the short pass. Like, I think that they are just going to have to compensate. I think the offensive line is is going to be a continued issue because I think at this point they've kind of settled on a starting five. Like, they've got, like, their five guys. And I think that we're seeing, like, they, they were a little bit better, in my opinion, against Tulane than they were against Temple. But I still think that that's, that's going to be one of the weaknesses of, of the offense all year. Now, maybe they can prove me wrong. Maybe they can make right. some huge strides. But I think that that's something that, you know, offensively. But every team doesn't have every unit as a five-star unit. Right. And so you will have units that are better and worse. And the question is, is whether you can compensate for them. And at five and one, they're very clearly doing what they have to do to compensate for the fact that, that the offensive line is not necessarily the strength of this team that year. And that's fine this year. And that's fine. Right. I think, and I think that you know you got to find what the offensive line can do well and what you can do. And I think that some of the like the screen, you know, I think that they, the line is mobile enough that they're pretty good on those screen plays. Like you, when you get them out in space, like all the offensive linemen can run for the most part. You know, like they can get out. Drew Kaiser can go out and run and like lay out on a block. You know, a couple yards down the field. Like they're they're pretty good at that aspect of things. And then we saw like in the Temple game when they were running on the left side. I mean, that's where they had all their success right. was just running to the left side. So, so find some things that work. So just find but the things that work. It is kind of interesting with. because it feels like every week Mike Norvell talks about how fantastic the next the other team's defensive line is, and you wonder if that's sort of um, just sort of preparing you for the manhandling that they're going to get for that coming week. And you know, there are some offensive lines. Um, you know, Houston's offensive line is going to you know is really defensive yeah, line. Yeah, defensive line. Yeah. Um, so. Anyway, but it was nice to get the win. Nice to see Daryl Henderson. And I thought the point you made in one of your your pieces, which is that the work that Mike Norvell did in keeping players who may have been on the fence about staying at Memphis or leaving at Memphis is some of the most critical work he has done since he's been here. Because you have uh, Daryl Henderson, who you saw the impact. He was evidently the least thinking about maybe leaving in Mm -hmm. the wake of Justin Fuente's departure. And obviously... uh, Jannard as well is is a guy with two pick sixes already devastating player he's been really effective without them it's hard to think about where this team would be I think it's that and I think it's also getting guy I mean like a guy like Jonathan Wilson who's already made a big impact yep you know being able to bring him into the program and put him in a position to succeed early and then just having guys buy in and I think that that's something that every coach will say you know in terms of coach speak but I think talking to players like there is a genuine there was a buy-in last year too, but I think that that's a big hurdle when you have a coaching yep. a coaching change. Particularly people, when they buy in as as fervently as well as enthusiastically as they did with Fuente, that you would expect the drop off, and there has been almost none. Like I talked to Ernest Suttles again yesterday, mm-hmm. he, he's you know thrilled. Let's be honest that there's more buy-in from the defensive side of the ball than there ever was last year. Sure, um, but I think you're right. I think that's a big part of it, the, the buy-in, which is high. Yeah, yeah, and I think that makes a big difference. Like, I mean. And it's not to say like, it's not to say that there there wasn't a buy in last year, right? I just think that there's right. there's a different on the defensive side of the ball. There's certainly more confidence in what they are doing, and whether right. that's because the personnel is better, or because the scheme is better, or because now it's building on itself. We see it week in, week in, week in, week in, week out. The defense is doing the job, and after a while, that becomes self fulfilling almost. And I think that it helped that you know relatively early they saw some of the benefits of that. like I think that was one of the things talking with guys last year you know they said the biggest turnaround for the program in the Fuente era was when they were like they felt like they were banging their heads up against the wall in the first two years 
And then they made it to the Miami Beach Bowl and shared the conference title. And they said, we saw where we were like, we saw the the payoff of all of our hard work. And I think that kind of a microcosm of that has been under Mike Norvell, where they've seen early, like the things that they're being taught and the things they're being told and all the emphasis on turnovers, for right. example, like they're now the number one, they've, they have more turnover or more takeaways than, anyone else, than anybody else in the country. And so when they're seeing now, kind now of the tangible, now they're giving it back too. <laughs> well, that's true. Now they're giving it back too, that's but a, that's not their fault. They're still taking it away. Right? right. Right. But I think that just seeing kind of the, the, the benefits and seeing everything right. pay off has allowed them to kind of further buy in. Like it, it kind of justifies that, that buy in a little okay, bit. Okay. So now we have this challenge in Navy. Sure. Um, and you've, you had this game for a long time, uh, as a, a one that you had circled as, as one that was going to be a tough, uh, for this team. It's interesting because I mean, it really where it became, they, you know, they lost it last year, obviously in that Navy game, it was just deflating because they, they were, you couldn't do anything. They just came and ran it. And, Paxson was bad in that game. It was the first game where he started missing throws. Mm-hmm. And um, and Navy did whatever they wanted. Um, and so now this is a very different test for the defense. Talking to Suttles, he said, yeah, we've been good this year. But that's because we've been aggressive and we've been athletic and we run to the ball and we make plays and whatever else. He said, this is just a very different test because it's a test of your and we saw some of it against Tulane still, mm-hmm. but it's a test of your discipline and it's a test. It's testing a whole different skill set than why we were good, for example, against, you know, pick pick whatever other, other team you think they played well against. It's a different skill set. And he talked about um, in particular, he said, you know, here's here's the problem is that your assignment might be to guard against the dive. Right. And and you are. We, you're tackling the fullback and tackling the fullback, and he never has the ball. And that's your assignment. And it's a thankless assignment because the guy never has the ball. And right. you're tackling him and tackling him and tackling him, and the ball's going over there. And yet you're there. You're he said, and the first time you say, you know what's hell with this? I'm going to go get that guy, is when they give it to the fullback and have the dive. He said, that's the problem. And it requires you to be that disciplined to tackle someone who does not have the ball time in and time out. And it is a very different test. We saw a little of it, though, against Tulane. You made the point with it with Jernard Avery. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. I was kind of heartened watching Tulane. Because, okay, first of all, it's important to, and I've gotten this question a lot, too, how similar are Tulane and Navy? Somewhat, but really not. Like, the precision and the discipline which with which Navy does its thing, you just can't prepare for it any other way. Like, you can't. They're going to run it in scout teams this week. You know, they ran it today in practice in scout team. Like, they're going to try to prepare for it. Norvell said there will be a moment of shock when you take the field. Right. He, that's what he said. There will be a moment of shock because it just, whoa, this is different. It's different. But I was heartened in a way by the performance against Tulane because like Jannard Avery, for example, he had his assignment, I think it was the running back. And he would go up and instead of just like running up to him, he was like physically tackling the running back and the running back never had the ball. Right. He could have had like two or three tackles for a loss. But the fact that he was physically wrapping up the guy, you know, as opposed to just like kind of half-heartedly fulfilling his assignment. Right. Like, I think that's a really encouraging sign. And I think that you saw that a couple of times, like Austin Hall had three tackles for a loss. Right. A couple of those were right as the guy, you know, was pitching the ball or decided to keep it. Like Hall was there in a split second, you know, because he had already committed to fulfilling right. that assignment to the point where he was going to tackle the guy regardless Don't you of whether believe, or not he had though, the ball. They will. I, the, hopefully the defense, the defense can be better than they were last year. And I think, I think while Norvell doesn't talk about last year, the players think about last year and, sure. and hopefully they could be better in the end. And you saw it against Houston. 
I mean, when Houston played Navy, they're going to Navy's going to score. Like the offense has to be better this mm-hmm. week. Don't you believe that? That uh, Navy is going to score. Well, I think the offense particularly needs to be good early. I think right. that's the the key. And like last, I can't remember what the score was at halftime last year when Memphis played Navy. But like, if you let Navy build a lead, they can just chew up that clock. Like they'll just right. keep getting. They can just get three yards on a dive play, like over and over and <laughs> over and over again. Right. right? So I think it's particularly important for them to hit. I mean, I've talked about big plays before. Like they need to hit a big play early, basically. You know, they need to get like an 84-yard bomb to Anthony Miller on the opening drive or something. They need to build an early lead because Navy's offense is not built for coming from behind, right? right? It's built to maintain So they the need lead. to be what they have not been the last two weeks, which is effective in the first half. Yes. And if they're not effective, if they continue this recent trend, then they could be in trouble, you know, because it's really hard to come back in the second half against a Navy If team. they win. If they win, yep. What's possible? I mean, I don't know. You know, at that point, like at that point, you are so. So both of these teams are in the driver's seat, right? Like they control their own destiny. So if you're Memphis and you beat Navy and you take care of business, and then you're able to beat Houston at home on Black Friday after Thanksgiving, I mean, at that point, there's still like a lot of dominoes, right? Like if you Boise State, for example, is having a great year, so they might get the New Year's six, like the ESPN projections of bowl, like. Boise State is the group five team, and the so they might not get to a, a New Year's Six Bowl. But if you beat Navy, all you have to do basically is beat. I mean, you have to beat Tulsa, you have to beat SMU. What it does, there, honestly, to, is it sets up. You have to beat Tulsa. You have it sets up some really attractive home games, like that South Florida game will could be huge, huge, huge. Right? huge. And then, yes, then the Houston game could be nationally huge, yeah. honestly. Not just, you know, it could get people talking about all around the country if you can have, have figured it out. Too. So, it, yeah, it it is a lot of things open up and including, I think, at that point, you can start talking about should they be ranked? Will they be ranked? How many votes are they getting? Should they be getting votes? Right. It puts you back in a different sort of discussion if they're able to win this game. Well, and it's a momentum thing, too, you know, because I think this, t- like, everybody who was on the team last year knows that that was where – the it season kind of stopped, right? Like you felt the energy kind of sucked out of the team. I mean, Houston too. Like obviously, the right. Houston game was huge. That but was one, really. That was the, the big one. But I mean, like when they look back at the season, they said, man, everything was in front of us until the Navy game. And so to come back and beat Navy on the road, no less, like I think that's just a huge confidence boost as much as anything else. And then if you're rolling, if you can get through the next two weeks and then you're rolling into South Florida and you have him at home, you know, now at that point, I think you're you're really, really in a good spot. So... This is, and I've said this before, I think this is the most important game left on the remaining schedule, just with how everything is positioned right now, you know, because if they, if they lose this one, like Navy basically has won the West. And then at that point, you know, you're playing for right. bowl positioning or right. whatever else. But if you beat Navy, everything's still possible. And okay. you have a lot of momentum entering the rest And of then that. in the meantime, uh, good news uh, from our friends at the Big 12, our dysfunctional friends at the Big 12, who... <laughs> Screw you, Big 12. <laughs> no, I mean, let's be, once you get eliminated from the process, it's nice to see the process uh, fall apart, right? And so news emerged late yesterday that the Big 12, having gone through all this stuff, uh, is not going to expand at all. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, obviously good for, for right. Memphis. I mean, Memphis, they're probably doing backflips because at this point, like, it doesn't matter when nobody makes the cut. It doesn't matter at what point you were right. eliminated. Like, I think that it was a little bit of like a, uh, you know, it wasn't a good look for Memphis by right. any means. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, nobody's in the Big 12. And the conference that you're in is now still at full strength. Like, if right. you still have, you still have Houston, you still have 
Cincinnati, like you still have kind of all the matchups in both football and basketball that you want. Right. It was at the time, it was a black eye for Memphis to be eliminated at that time. It just simply was. Um, but when the process has been as thoroughly mocked and discredited as now as it as it has been, um, it's not even really a black eye anymore. That's the thing. It's not even really, you know. So a joke of a process made a decision about you. Why can't why, you know? Why should you care internally? I think the University of Memphis should care because they should try to understand what happened, what went wrong, and so when it this issue comes up again, as it will come up again, they do everything they can do to improve their chances next time. But it's no longer a black eye. It's no longer because and, and honestly, you, you you spared the you didn't have to feel the agony that the Cincinnati fans and the Houston fans whatever felt yesterday because they thought yesterday was going to be their big day. Right. Well, ha ha. Got him. <laughs> One more question before we wrap yes, it up sir. here. If you're the AAC now, if you're the American. Do you try to expand? Like, do you try to use this and try to add a couple teams? Like, do you try to go out and get like a Boise State or like some up and coming group of five team and strengthen your own conference and kind of use this to your advantage right. to try to like not you're not going to pass the Big Twelve as long as right. Texas and Oklahoma. Well, are I mean, but- in the end, it's it's television contracts that 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 will establish whether you are. Unfortunately, that's the problem. It's not just how good you are as a conference. Right. It's whether you have the right. You can be as good as you want. If you don't have the right television contract, it doesn't matter. And so, um, you know, I don't know that there's anything um, that that you know the AAC can ever do to make it have it to make you know it's done in terms of on the field. It's largely done what it can do, right? I mean, it's it's been impressive on the field, but can they really change who they are in terms of? That television reality, I, I don't know. I think probably what we're going to see is in the end, the Big 12 will likely implode when their grant of rights ends and you'll see Oklahoma you know, bidding itself out to whomever and then you'll see this whole cluster again and where does Kansas end up and where does, you Texas. Know, where does Texas end up and – and and can Memphis glom onto one of them as a peripheral school to try to save itself? I mean, this saga is not over, but at least this part of the saga is uh, ended 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 the the best way one could hope if you're a Memphis fan. Over under one year till we're talking about Big Twelve expansion again. I don't believe in the next year we will be talking about Big Twelve expansion for twelve months from now. Twelve months from what today. do you think? I think we. I think this is going to be a. Well, within the I next the twelve crit. months, it'll crank up again. Oh, who knows? I have I have no faith in no, them it will making not. up their mind at this point. I think they've sufficiently mortified and and by <laughs> by all of what, or embarrassed. I would hope that what they by what has happened that they'll take a break for a little bit. All right. Well, Memphis Navy on Saturday, we will be there, and we will be back next week for another Tiger Football Podcast. Thanks as always for listening. This is the Commercial Appeal.